0: If Justin Bieber spits on me, will I go viral?
1: this, this. When will they stop profiting from his downward spiral? We start this week's episode with one of our listeners exposing himself super. It's Paul, who is 34, and he's from Manchester. So, if you're a listener in Manchester, keep your eyes open for <laughs> Paul's undercarriage. He says, I recently moved into a flat in the city centre, it's got massive windows and is directly overlooked by similar flats on the opposite side of the road. In the past few weeks of extreme heat, as I have no air conditioning, I've been cooling myself by opening all the windows and wearing as little as possible.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm
1: fairly sure, says Paul, that my neighbours and possibly some of the people on the street below have had an unrequested eyeful as I've gone about my normal business. Do you
0: think he means the full meat and two veg, or does he just talk about his belly?
1: I'm assuming the full thing, because otherwise, what what would he have to worry about? Mm. Ollie, answer me this. Despite being on private property, as I'm in public view, am I breaching indecent exposure laws? My belief is that I'm fine, so long as I'm not doing anything lewd, but I'm not sure.
0: Well, actually, the issue about whether or not you're on your own property is irrelevant. It is Mm. possible to get done for indecent exposure if you are exposing yourself in a way that is intended to shock The uh, recipient of this image, regardless Mm. of where you're standing.
1: Yes, but what if he doesn't intend to shock? He's only trying to cool his scrotum Mm. in the breeze by the window.
0: Well, this is where I think a lawyer would be able to argue that indeed your your intent was not to shock, your intent was merely to aerate your testes um, and therefore uh, it wasn't a deliberate act, but... Uh, you may have now made things worse By putting this in writing to us Because you've confessed You're aware that from time to time People might be seeing it Now why aren't yeah. you taking precautions against that? You're aware that some people may find it shocking I think a, a, another very clever lawyer acting against you Might be able to argue that therefore you are Maybe not intending to do it But you're aware of the consequences in doing it anyway
1: Wear an apron, Paul That's the obvious solution
2: Answer me this Podcast.com Superstore
1: <laughs> <laughs> My dad's got one of those aprons, Ollie Why must you ruin it?
2: Stripping naked and wearing, wearing an apron t- defence subject to cooling your balls they have a lovely cool bottom, mm. but your balls will be quite hot
1: so is the issue that you might be on your private property but you're visible to people on public property yes yeah
0: and depending on who those people are as well the offence can get very serious if for example mm. it's a bus stop and there's a load of school children there
1: yeah or a nunnery
0: yeah. <laughs> um, then it gets you into all sorts of bother yeah. and uh, I mean I know the laws in America and actually in each different state of America are different to the UK but mm. there was a guy who the case went all the way to court in Virginia a couple of years ago and he did get acquitted, he did successfully argue that he hadn't intended it Uh, but Mm. in his case it was that a woman and then separately later that day a woman and her child had seen him completely start bollock naked Mm -hmm. Um, and essentially what he was able to argue was he hadn't seen them, they'd seen him but he hadn't made eye contact at the child but it could have come Uh. down to that like he wouldn't Mm. have had to have been touching himself, wouldn't have had to be anything more inappropriate than him being naked but if he'd have made eye contact with the child he could have gone to prison for two years
1: and where was he, in his house? in his house in Virginia, yeah and they were peering in through the window like
0: pervert. <laughs> no, they were standing on the street corner. And he says he was just walking around, to, much as Paul does, to get a summer breeze. It is warm. I think if you live in a flat with street-level windows, then... You, you're asking for it. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I think you've got to behave in a slightly more responsible manner, Paul. I think if you're three stories up mm. and someone's just got a brief flash from a... I was going to say bird's eye perspective there. What's the equivalent of something that's underneath? Like Worms a rat's eye. eye perspective? Rat's eye.
1: <laughs> rat's eye of your japs eye. <laughs> if
0: someone's got a rat's eye of your japs eye, then I think if it's brief and fleeting, that is permissible. It's Peter Flynn from Palmerston, Northern New Zealand. Helen Lolly and Martin Salman, answer me this. Why are straight jackets called straight jackets? They're not particularly straight, nor do they even keep your arms straight. Am I right in saying it's spelt differently to straight, keeping yeah. you
1: straight? you picked the wrong straight. Pete. Is like
0: Straits of Gibraltar?
1: Yeah, straight. or straight as in straightened circumstances. So
0: w- what's the difference in definition for people who don't know?
1: Well, uh, straight meant a narrow, confined place or to be bound and drawn tight which is what a straight jacket does and all so of
0: those things s-t-r-a-i-t
1: yes and also it means a sense of difficulty but that's kind of afterwards because if you're in a narrow place or being bound and tight then uh, you would be in difficulty wouldn't so you hence dire straits yeah precisely ah yeah whereas uh, straight as in uh, the straight and narrow or as in a straight edge that's from the middle english to stretch
0: so a helpful way to remember the difference might be to think of mark knopfler in a straight jacket
1: Uh, The first straitjacket was uh, invented by an upholsterer in France in 1790. Was it designed to Restrain people I assume so Because what else Is it going to be for Do you think maybe The upholsterer Was trying to make A, a stretchy seat cover And it just went Really wrong <laughs> like, well, What yeah. can I do with this Great age for inventions In France Straight jacket And the guillotine <laughs> and I suppose if you've got A person in a straight jacket It's a lot easier To put them in a guillotine Without right, them yes. thrashing around Pretty
2: really complimentary invention. Yeah. People who bought this
0: Also liked <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question From Phil From Chesham Who says Whilst at Alden Towers Earlier today I was buying some horrible Overpriced fast food When my vegetarian girlfriend asked me what type of pork is in hamburgers. I initially scorned her for asking such a stupid question.
1: Quite right, Phil. Uh,
0: and informed her that they were made of beef, before realising that her question was actually completely logical. Not really. Uh, and I may have overreacted in my belittling of her, since they are called hamburgers, after all.
1: Let's not take the first syllable of every word and assume that that dictates the contents of the food <laughs> stuff.
2: Frankfurters aren't made from people called Francis.
0: So, Helen, answer me this. Why are hamburgers called hamburgers when they don't actually contain ham? Is it because they did contain ham at one stage? because they're from Hamburg.
1: Minced beef, uh, when it came to America, was an invention popularised in Hamburg known as a Hamburg steak. And then, around, around the end of the 19th, turn of the 20th century, it was then made into the Hamburg steak sandwich, which, of course, became the modern...
0: Hamburger. Hamburger.
1: Yes. Hamburg was an international port, one of Europe's biggest international ports, which means you've got people coming in with their exotic minced foods, <laughs> and then Hamburg got to disseminate them elsewhere. So who knows what other foodstuffs Hamburg could have given Came its name to? Hamburg,
0: yeah. yeah. Or indeed, I wonder whether Hamburg itself celebrates the hamburger now.
1: I don't reckon they do I mean it's very know. much seen
0: as an American thing isn't it
1: Yeah In fact I remember in the bell jar And this is an odd thing to remember out of the bell jar Where she talks about eating raw hamburg with an egg in it mm. And at the time I didn't know what raw hamburg was So I thought probably this is alright But actually
0: Least of her problems though wasn't it
1: Exactly Exactly <laughs> I mean a bit of food poisoning is just a bit of light relief That's when, right. Compared to the suicidal depression
2: She didn't want to get to the oven I've got a question Email your question To answer me this podcast at googlemail.com To answer me this podcast at googlemail.com To answer me this podcast at googlemail.com To answer me this podcast at googlemail.com
0: It's a question from Louis. I liked it, Simon, who says, journey south of the next big thing.
1: Yeah, it could still happen.
0: <laughs> Helen, answer me this. Why is the giant of online retail Amazon called Amazon? Is Amazon's warehouse in Tropical Milton Keynes solely run by six-foot-five warrior women?
1: With one boob. What? <laughs> well, the, the Amazons mythologically cut off one boob to make them better at archery, although they were... Did they? Well, mm. no, because there's no evidence of this happening. Okay. Apparently there's full etymology, actually, because they thought Amazon meant someone without a boob. But, but... H- how would
0: it help you with archery? Just somewhere to put the bow?
1: Yeah, a horrific wait, scar wait. in which to dig a bow.
0: But I'm surprised that someone doing... Um, you know any kind of action film influenced by mm. the tribes hasn't included that scene
1: what of cutting the boob off
0: yeah so last of the Mohicans type So imagine a scene where someone yeah, Mark would Gibson would do it wouldn't be he? memorable that sort of reservoir dogs type thing yeah where someone mm. chops off their boobs so they can be a better archer
1: I suppose the problem would be then faking the single boob look for the rest of the film
0: well that's a CGI challenge isn't it mm. and whoever, whoever whichever glamorous Hollywood actress agreed to be pictured not just topless but with one tit would mm. probably get a Golden Globe nomination just for that And then she could use the award as the other did. Anyway,
1: maybe um, Jeff Bezos thought, what would people with one boob like to order things off to entertain them while they're recuperating from (laughs) having their boob cut off?
0: Uh, No, he didn't, actually, funny enough. Uh, Um,
1: Maybe he thought let's cut down some rainforest in the Amazon and use the paper as packaging
0: I'll tell you what he thought Helen it's a little oh. bit more
2: pedestrian than all did, of these did he go? did he go I want the website amazing.com and then he couldn't get it so he thought Amazon was the closest thing uh,
0: possibly but that's not the official line okay. uh, the official line is simply that he had the idea of a website selling books and therefore he wanted one that would come up bearing in mind this would be marketed to literary types mm-hmm. uh, in alphabetical order first
1: hey. so this is
0: in the days when people couldn't there was no Google so if you wanted to know about a website you had to read about it in a directory
1: and who's like stuff you Blackwell's, Up Yours, Hatchard's, Waterstones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Barnes and Noble thought they had the drop on me. So, yeah, so he wanted something to begin with an A, and apparently he literally looked through the dictionary and looked at the words beginning with A that he could get. Oh,
1: he was lucky that Amazon was in there because that's a proper noun, and a lot of dictionaries don't carry those. Um,
0: and he came across Amazon, and of course, that seemed to fit because he was planning on building the world's biggest bookshop. And of course, the Amazon is, uh, well, if it's not the biggest river in the world, it's certainly right up there, isn't it?
1: It's, it's one of the greats. It's, it's big. And he didn't want to call it Yangtze because it's at the wrong end of the upper.
0: But the other thing that I thought might have been part of his uh, Hmm. design process was that, you know, on the logo, it's got that smiley face arrow thing that points from A to Z. So it's kind of... And then that's their slogan, isn't it? A to Z and you're done. Mm -hmm. So... I thought that that logo was part of the original design process and so he needed a word with an A and a Z in it. But of course, that would be kind of too clever for anyone to think up at the initial stage. And in fact, that logo was developed later. Uh, 2000, the logo came about, but the site was opened in 1995. ninety-five. Six. So actually, they had six years of really terrible logos. I've seen some of them online and they're hilarious.
1: Are some of them of the Amazon rainforest and its destruction?
0: Um, no, although there is a vaguely rivery theme to the original mm-hmm. page. Mm-hmm. And actually, you can go back and look. I mean, obviously, it looks like a sort of teen, terrible teen blog on MySpace now. It's amazing <laughs> to think that this was the world's biggest book website when it launched.
1: Yeah, but there wasn't much competition, with there, there at the time?
0: No, and everyone had dial-up internet. So just to see that would have taken 10 minutes well, to load it up.
1: No, not everyone had dial-up internet. No, no, indeed. Uh, only aristocrats. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, but it, what it does say on the text of that first ever Amazon homepage uh, is that you could use their service, The I. As in E-Y-E, rather than I, like the paper. Yeah. Um, Which I'd never...
1: Or or I, as in affirmative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I, as in I
0: Claudius. Or I... (laughs) All of those. Um, Or none. Yeah. Or A-Y, as in Andrew of York, when he signs off his tweets. Yeah. Yeah. Any others? I have a needle. Um, So, it it says... Potato I. You can can check. uh, Their service, the I, which I've never heard them reference since. I didn't know that that was called the I... But uh, no. obviously it evolved into just the Amazon algorithm uh. And that's, it still catches me out now When I get a mass email from Amazon And it's advertising our book because I always ah. see for one second I think Oh my god Amazon have put out A mail shot For Answer Me This products And then I realised No it's because I self-Google So vehemently uh, And the only things I've bought from Amazon Recently have been things That I've written Or been involved with
1: So Amazon Eye Is just the analytical tool They use to sell you things That you are uh, based on Other things you like
0: That's what it is now yeah. uh, But in the early days It was just a recommendation system I guess you type in The name of a book And it would suggest Three or four other books It was a bit like that
1: oh, We did a really good uh, Slow burn Jape once uh, At the time our friend kimon was uh, staying in our house and i knew that he had used my laptop without permission because amazon was logged in as him and mm-hmm. i wouldn't do that obviously and so i put a lot of books about alcoholism in his basket <laughs> <laughs> and, and so all of his recommendations were about alcoholism but he didn't seem to clock for about a year that is good that it is good. good it
0: was really funny i do worry actually i've, I've just decided to share netflix accounts with my parents
1: Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh They that, could completely skew it By watching all of their racy movies I know
0: And so I'm just a bit worried That one day I'm going to go home And turn on my iPad And it'll say You've been watching Lacy Ladies in Lingerie Would you like to watch this? And I'll be like Oh, thanks Dad
1: Yeah Martin has been retraining <laughs> our Netflix To recommend a lot of documentaries About suicide
2: <laughs> Portland doing documentaries About suicide That's uh, that's what happens on, the, on Netflix
1: The Bridge is a good one By the way If you want to watch A good documentary About suicide that's the been the best one so far To keep yourself safe on holiday, make sure you stock up on essentials such as sun cream, money belt and extra thick condoms. You can't be sure where those swarthy locals have been, but with their exotic accents and their strong arms, they'll certainly sweep you off your feet. I don't even know my son's father's name. Cheers.
0: Answer Me This Holiday. Travel the world from the comfort of your own headphones. Out now at answermethispodcast.com slash albums. Here's a question from Lee, who says As a child, I was told to wash my hands after going to the toilet Sound advice, isn't it? Mm, Very good And as an adult, it's expected, as it's unhygienic not to As a gay man, I've had a lot of dicks in my mouth Mm -hmm. And I know of people who do a lot worse
1: Impossible, what could be worse?
0: (laughs) On a a scale of, of doing a lot worse, is that more dicks or less? Few, fewer, dicks, Holly. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> grammar is always important. Uh, I am also assuming most adults have either given a blowjob or received one.
1: I've never got one. I think that's so unfair. I
0: think that's yeah, either or though, given or received. Mm. Uh, therefore, why is it so important to wash my hands? Yet it's accepted when an actual tool is in my mouth.
1: Uh, well, I think people do expect a certain amount of penile hygiene, mm. don't mm. they? That you, yeah. you know, you might cringe, Lee, if a blatantly unwashed penis started worming its way towards your face. <laughs> That's right. And also, for you to accept
0: it into your mouth. Yeah, a lot. You want it to be of a certain level which you're yes. not applying it's only when you're washing isn't it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And in fact maybe you'd like to keep in your pocket a little wet wipe just to give it a quick scrubbing before you mm. uh, chow down. Mm. Uh, also a lot of people suggest condom use for oral sex to diminish the chance of orally transmitted disease. Do you
0: know what, that was a question that I, I remember specifically I wanted to ask when I was 15 years mm. old in yes. biology class. Did yes, you want to ask me too. too? Yeah. I wanted Can you to, get to get ask a- Yeah, can I get AIDS from someone blowing me off? I wanted to ask, but I couldn't Mm. ask that in front of the whole. Presumably,
1: the the most pressing question for you was: Will anyone ever give me a blowjob?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can answer that question, but I felt
0: embarrassed asking the question.
1: Yeah. Anyway, apparently on. The average penis, there are 42 different types of germ and Oof. slightly fewer on a, on a circumcised one uh-huh. because they gather in damp places like under the foreskin. So just make sure you clean properly there, fellows.
2: Okay. Um, how many, wait, wait, how many t- types of germ are there on the exterior skin of well, your arm exactly. or your nose? Or...
1: This, this is, you know when you get adverts which say there are 5 million types of germs on your toothbrush yes. and only 50 on your toilet seat? You think, yeah, but which ones are worse?
2: Yeah, if one of them is like E. coli, then that's that's more significant. than Yeah. Just your average bit of fauna.
1: Yeah, I'm unlikely to start brushing my teeth with the toilet seat. Just, it's, it's been in contact <laughs> with very different things, right? Well,
0: well, here's a question about something else that's uh, quite dirty to put in your mouth. It's from Andrea from the gravy-filled north who says... Where is the north-south divide when it comes to gravy on your chips? Why can't southerners understand that it's delicious?
1: Mm. What? It's not a north-south divide, Andrea. There's a There are a lot of regional variations in favoured chip toppings... All around Britain, not even all northerners favour gravy. Some of them like curry sauce or cheese. And then you get differences in the east and the west. Well, Canadians
2: have poutine, don't they?
1: Yeah, but they're far north, aren't they, Martin? In Canada. Yeah, that's true,
2: actually, yeah.
0: I do quite like the idea that you could draw the north-south gravy divide across the whole of the globe and see if it does cut through the USA and Russia as well.
1: Maybe there is a particular (laughs) latitudinal point above which uh, gravy on chips is uh, de rigueur. Here's the thing that I wonder, Andrea, whether it's not so much a chips and gravy thing as what goes with the chips because... If you're having fish and chips, gravy doesn't seem like that obvious in a compliment, but pie and chips mm. it does. Yeah, I wonder whether people where Andrew is from prefer a pie.
0: This may be a completely unfounded cliche, but in oh, my no. imagination.
1: <laughs> there is no hesitation. <laughs>
0: people in the north who are eating chips in a pub, for example, okay. are probably more likely to be doing so with a warm ale. And I think probably people who are eating chips in the south might be nowadays more likely to be doing it with a cold lager. And I wonder if gravy goes better with ale. They're I- virtually the same thing, aren't they? It's that war- that
2: pub warm thing. Mm.
1: Yeah, but if it's from a chip shop and the drinks are relevant... the
2: chips and gravy is definitely a wintry thing, isn't it? That's yeah, a real yeah. like winter warmer. Well, and actually that's the it's point. It's very it? cold in the north. It
0: is colder up north. Ah, uh, here we go. Helen, it is not objectionable to say it is colder in the north. It is factually colder in the north. It is.
1: Well, yeah. Only
0: by a few degrees. I suppose the big test would be the Midlands, wouldn't it?
1: Oh, the Midlands, it's like um, a swing voter, isn't it?
0: Well, Martin, Midlands correspondent. Growing up, did you ever encounter gravy on chips there? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We had curry sauce and other stuff as well, so I think, uh, yeah. I used to eat mayonnaise too.
0: But is there a north-south Midlands divide? Oh. She's, as- she's asking where is the line
1: Because I mean Oxford is very different To yes. say Coventry
2: I mean, not, I'd argue it's diffusive There's probably not a point where everybody
0: Eats gravy uh, okay, Time for a question from Duffy from Northwood uh, Who says Helen answer me this Which came first Tartar sauce Or tartar, referring to the crap you get on your teeth?
1: Well, if you're talking about the substance, then obviously tartar on teeth has been around as long as teeth, because, let's face it, ancient dentistry was not that great.
0: That's right, and I'm guessing the ancient Greeks and Romans had no real need for tartar sauce.
1: I think maybe their taste didn't run to tartar sauce. Although,
0: actually, it's very good, isn't it, with Mediterranean grilled fish?
1: alright but it's not essential
0: anyway Duffy continues this ridiculous tract it seems like tartar on your teeth would have existed and therefore have a name for it for longer but it would be such bad marketing to then name a sauce after that
1: yeah but actually they come from different roots yes both the sauce and the tooth muck got the name tartar around the same time actually in the early 19th century but for the teeth, it used to be something called uh, calculus.
0: What, so you'd have toothpaste adverts saying cuts down radically (laughs) on calculus? New calculus-free (laughs) McLeans. That's hilarious. Although tartar sounds quite posh as well, like tartar? yeah, like well, posh people say goodbye.
1: Well, it does sound quite posh in its long form as well, uh, because the... Are
0: you going to say me uh, that it comes from some Latin tatare?
1: Well, it's it's from potassium by tartarate. Right, oh, well, so, okay, I didn't guess that. So, that's, uh, so once they stop calling it calculus, that was the, uh, oh, the name that stuff. Stock- cream,
2: cream of tartar is a, is a cooking ingredient, isn't it? Yeah. It's an acid, so yeah. I if it's chemically related. I
1: think it is, Martin, I think it is. Right. You could scrape off your teeth and use it in baking, but don't.
0: Okay, so both have their root in the chemical table? No. Oh.
1: The other one uh, was named after the Tartars, as in the sort of warring force from the east. And what's
0: that got to do with uh, mayonnaise you put on fish?
1: Well, it's a bit indirect, Ollie, because the Tartars uh, gave their name to foods that were spicy, because that's what they were associated with. But then, in the end, when it comes to Tartar sauce and steak tartar, it's because they're chopped up. So maybe they liked food that was both spicy and chopped up, but only the chopping up caught on.
2: So which part of the world are the Tartars
1: from? The Tatars were the Turco-Mongol people of Central Asia and they were renowned for their fierceness.
0: But you you couldn't be that fierce if you need to have all your food cut up for you like a baby.
1: Maybe it's because they used to dice the enemy finely and then mix them up with capers and gherkins. Helen, Oliver, though life is full of questions, there are answers you must know. One no it will not fall off but moderation in all things too yes there probably is but we won't find out in our lifetimes three most people prefer connery but my personal favorite is dalton four if you try and slip a one it would ruin your friendship Here's a question from Cheeky Horse.
0: You don't often hear of cheeky Cheeky monkeys, the typical thing, isn't it? But actually, horses, people tend not to use the phrase cheeky. I think it's because. Crazy horse? A, yes, a crazy horse, more likely to buck you in the face and cause some serious damage, isn't yeah. it? You don't think, oh, what a cheeky horse, just debilitated me. I think,
2: I think me. horses have been quite noble, but yeah, crazy, but never yeah, cheeky. Never cheeky.
1: They're not, they're not exactly japesters. Not yeah. really given to
0: lev- levity, are they? Well, let's see whether this cheeky horse is.
1: This cheeky horse says, Ollie, answer me this. Why do prominent politicians and the like Always announce what they're going to say In important speeches Before they give the important speech
0: Well it's not them announcing it is it It's their press secretary
1: Not only could they save time By just releasing a statement instead Presumably instead of the speech mm. But there is no shock or surprise in politics anymore Discuss
0: <laughs> I agree um, But I think it's inevitable isn't it? Um, because, is well, it Well it was
1: Was it so that they could make the deadlines of the newspapers
0: Yes Essentially Yeah No one wants to read In their morning copy Of the Daily Telegraph Over their eggs and bacon
1: Something that happened Two days ago And they heard about On Radio 4 yesterday
0: Exactly What they want to read Is what is the Prime Minister Going to say later at this event that I'm not going to hear about again Until I watch the 10 o'clock news
1: Spoiler alert But then that does ruin the news for tomorrow Because you're like Yes, he said what we thought he was going to say yesterday
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah Well, that, uh, absolutely right But then, of course, what happens then Is you the news very quickly becomes opinion about what was said Ugh. So the only time, I guess Because, you know, if you're a press secretary You want to control the story mm. The only time you can guarantee... That you'll just be able to get the news message out About what David Cameron said Is before he's actually said it Because as soon as he says it People then discuss it and debate it But of course now what's happened Is with the online world People then have that debate about What he's said before he's even said it
1: My god, minority report um,
0: So from about 10pm The night before a big speech people already have the headlines from the following day's papers at which point they start discussing it on twitter so that by the time the paper comes out previewing what he's talking about later that day it already feels like last night's news and i suppose in a way maybe politicians are using this to their advantage a bit in that they're actually able to gauge public opinion to what they're about to say Mm. before they say it so actually Mm. i I seem to remember this being the case around um uh, ed miliband's speech on immigration you know there'd been a big lot of Mm Pre-kerfuffle That he was about To say something That sounded more Right wing Than you'd expect Labour to sound Right um, and this was, you know, the, the statement where he sort of essentially said we got it wrong, uh, and you know we should have had tighter controls on on immigration. And that was leaked way ahead of it happening. And then all the discussion about it from all the angsty left wingers had already died down by the time he gave it, so that you right. get the positive press coverage afterwards. I think they kind of use it as a tactic in a way.
1: So it can be for notifying the press and letting them get their copy in on time, for um, controlling the story, and also maybe for testing the temperature of what you're going to say and perhaps modifying. The actual speech is that possible? Yeah. So they're all just playing to the gallery then.
0: Well, but we all know, don't we, that speeches are written and cra- no one talks in that rhetorical way, do they? In groups of three and with jokes and
1: and prefacing know. everything with my fellow Americans. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we know that it's been written and crafted. And in fact, you know, people who have previously been Tony Blair's speechwriter or whatever will turn up on documentaries and mm. that will be their credit. You know, they're quite open about the fact they have writers. So in a way, it's sort of more honest, isn't it? This is what the prime minister will say later. You know, no one's pretending that it's a live, spontaneous event.
1: Mm. It does take some of the fun out of it, though. Here's what he's going to say later. Later, you get to see him say it. What's the big deal? Why well, doesn't he... Well, you know, why Why can't you have more teasers?
2: A bit more improv.
1: At the end of Mad Men, they'll go, next time on Mad Men. They'll give you a lot of imagery, but you have no idea what the plot's going to be.
0: <laughs> well, I suppose the other thing, though, is that you will almost always get a camera crew at a speech the Prime Minister is giving. Mm. And probably at a speech that the um, Home Secretary's giving and the Chancellor's giving even though he's quite boring. (laughs) But, you know, if you're just Housing Minister or Education Minister, you're not guaranteed that there'll be a camera there because you do a lot of events that aren't going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, right. So just give out the uh, piece of paper with the speech written on. Don't even bother or rating.
0: No, but the the point is you need to tell the press what's going to be in the speech because there may be press that didn't realise they would be interested in that speech but then realise they can fabricate a story around it if they go along
1: Just sounds like a lot of bullshit really though Well it is but that's, like, that's hey, the news cycle Helen. Check out my exciting speech as Minister for Bins. I bet you want to be there <laughs> later with your cameras when I actually do the thing. They're going to be performing seals and I'm going to do a dance on a bin It's going to be like Stomp
0: I suppose this is why people like Prime Minister's questions, isn't it? Uh, I don't. Because even though you get all these terribly scripted lines...
1: It, it's, they have to be doing a bit of improv, don't they? Well,
0: at least the leaders don't know what each other is going to say, mm. even though uh, within their own parties they've decided what someone might say. So the fact that they're standing there not knowing what's going to come out of the other one's mouth means you get a certain sense of spontaneity, don't you? But the worst bits of PMQs are the bits where it clearly has been scripted in advance. I don't know if you saw Just before they broke up With this whole business About fag packets Being labelled I really thought It was the worst In recent memory Right Ed Miliband said You're now the prime minister For Benson and hedge funds That's piss poor isn't it
1: You wouldn't get that In a cracker mm. would you
0: If, if the if, you, if the sub editors At The Sun Had to sit around all day Trying to come up with puns For tobacco companies they do better than Benson and Hedge Funds in about five minutes. And yet all Labour could come up with that whole yeah. day was Benson and Hedge Funds.
1: What about you're a mall bellend? <laughs> exactly. That would, be,
0: that would be better.
1: You're a silk cunt.
0: <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this week's Answer Me This listeners. <sighs> there you go. Mm. Yep, another mm. fulfilling half an hour. I'm sure you'll agree.
1: Yes, Probably. I feel. Probably, if
0: you've made it this far, because you could have opted out earlier, can you? No reason. No one's got a gun under your head.
1: Maybe you fell asleep and you've woken up with this. <laughs> yeah. Screaming. Yeah, you've slept through your stop. Wake up now. <laughs> oh, you're God. at Wimbledon. Is that the most fun? Away place you could think of. There's nowhere further west than that. That's where the Romans thought they'd fall off the world.
0: Uh, anyway, we should be back next week with your questions. So send us those. All our contact details
1: are on our
0: website, Answer Answer me this this podcast podcast dot com. com
1: whereupon you can also find links to Answer Me This Holiday. And if you're so over enthused by the uh, royal baby, you can listen to the Answer Me This Jubilee for more royal shit and if you're feeling sporty then you can listen to Answer Me This Sports Day. We have an album for all your moods because we know you only have three states of mind and we can accurately reflect them all. That's right. And come back
0: next week for the next free episode of Answer Me This. Bye!